0: All right, welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault Behind the Vault Door. My name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host for tonight's episode. Uh, doing a solo from the garage tonight. I got my portable. Uh, just decided that I wanted to get out of the studio. I uh, haven't been doing enough of that lately. Been hiding indoors, folks. Uh, a lot going on here behind the uh, behind the vault door. Uh, some things I can talk about, some things I can't. Uh, very excited about the CGV relocation plan uh, at the same time very disappointed looks like uh, looks like we've definitely got Challenges ahead of us uh, with social media clamping down on uh, gun related uh, social media sites uh, I think bumble <laughs> has even declared war on the gun owners by uh, by saying that any guys holding guns in pictures are gonna be uh, you know taken down Uh, although I don't know I don't know what kind of approach uh, for the single guys out there you uh, might want to take other than you know uh, you know holding a gun in your hands and trying to convince someone to date you that it's safe Uh, might not be your best way you know you love it that's fantastic you want to find a girl that loves it too hey be good for you I I don't know that I would put guns on dating websites I think that that would uh, definitely uh, definitely come under the heading of you know security risk uh, you don't want to be inviting uh, strangers into your home and uh, demonstrating that you, uh, you know, have firearms in the house. That might not be a wise idea, uh, you know, to have the uh, the random over and try and introduce them to firearms uh, over the course of the first couple of dates. Uh, I wouldn't suggest that. Uh, you know, certainly being a, a a proud gun owner and a proud Canadian, uh, you know, uh, people ask, you know, you have guns, and, you know, to uh, to describe to them, but, yep, you know, and you always get that question, folks, and you're going to get it. Um, you know, I, I kind of laugh and always say that if you if you know the answer, you don't have enough. Uh, when people ask the question, how many guns do you have? You know, uh, I always answer and just say a few. Um, you know, that's that's probably the best way to do it. I mean, a lot of people think that uh, all the guns in the channel are mine and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, I'm very fortunate uh, that I've had access to, uh, you know, over the, uh, over the course of uh, – you know the years, uh, a number of firearms and collections, and you know uh, the photography is coming in from the followers as well. Now, uh, they're not always my photos. Uh, they're certainly not always my guns, and uh, I can tell you that. You know, spending time out on the firing lines, uh, having you know, uh, you know, having older gentlemen come up and say, you know, would you like to photograph my gun? is, is kind of nice. Uh, you know, to, to know that they know who I am uh, is always flattering. Uh, to spend time on the lines uh, is very, always a very humbling experience being around people that are uh, much more experienced than I am. Uh, I, I really do uh, love the wonderful uh, ballet of dynamic personality uh, that floats around the firearm ranges. Uh, you know, friendly people. I mean not always I mean you'll you'll run into the odd guy that uh, may strike you as a little bit grumbly but I, I guarantee if you work on him he'll actually turn out to be a nice guy uh, I've met my fair share of uh, what what some people uh, in the firearm community refer to as the FUDs and uh, this is <laughs> this is one of those things that you know I, I talk about occasionally with people I, I don't I don't like and I express very early on in the, uh, the lifespan lifespan. Of the Canadian Gun Vault uh, as a social media platform, that the use of the term FUDs uh, was uh, well not forbidden uh, was uh, considered to be in poor taste and and you know in in line with our uh, you know language and ethic protocol uh, you know even even extending it as far as to say that uh, FUDs is an unacceptable term to use uh, for the people out there that have never heard the term before it generally. Um, <clears throat> Speaks to, um, you know, older shooters, um, you know, hunters, uh, you know, characterized as, um, you know, older shooters, hunters, uh, you know, the old men that really have no use for anything outside of perhaps their over and under shotgun, um, you know. It, to to spend any time around the firearm community, you you, you will encounter them. Although, I gotta tell you, I've noticed uh, a, a terrific change. Uh, the introduction of new shooters to the sport uh, has lightened up some of the older guys and uh, made them a little bit uh, less crotchety. Uh, you know, I've certainly encountered them. Uh, I had my brush, uh, you know, over the years with my fair share of what some people would call fuds. Um, you know, they're not bad guys sometimes maybe perhaps a little stuck in their ways but uh you know and certainly uh, willing to express themselves clearly hey you get to be a certain age you can pretty much say what's on your mind you really don't have the time you know to to screw around and kind of dance around being polite some days i guess uh, as you get older and and you know these these gentlemen will sometimes uh you know at a glance appear to be very uh, unwelcoming. And yet, you know, if you spend any amount of time around them, uh, you'll find that uh, you'll have some fun. Uh, Break a few birds with the guys at the trap lines. Uh, Go over to the ski range if you don't see anybody using it and find out how fun that uh, that can be. And I can tell you right now that uh, once people catch on, Uh, You know, the trap and skeet ranges here in uh, southern Ontario. I mean, we've got some fantastic ones. Uh, The Galt Sportsman's Club is is a terrific place to go. Uh, If you want to shoot onto a very scenic backdrop, uh, Galt does provide that. It's it's a beautiful place. Um, You know, but but back to the (laughs) FUDs. You know, I I don't allow people to call them that on the page because I find it to be uh, a divisive term in our firearm community. Uh, The... The sad fact is, is that, you know, our unity as a community has always been our biggest issue. Um, certainly, we didn't lack in common sense, uh, but but getting everybody together, I mean, it's it's in large part why I created the Canadian Gun Vault. I wanted to definitely give a place uh, for people to come to, to appreciate firearms and, uh, you know, whether, whether you knew anything about them or not, uh, you know, a place to come where you could, uh, you know, view these things, learn about these things, uh, learn why they're important, why they're fun, uh, you know, a place where everybody can come uh, because there's so many disciplines. I mean, the firearm community is this like vast array of uh, activities that you can engage in. You know, long-range shooting, competition shooting, three-gun, you know, sporting clay. I mean, it's endless. There's disciplines within disciplines. And, I mean, you have an endless supply of, you know, different types of firearms, uh, you know, to do these things with that that function differently, that behave differently, that perform differently, that, you know, uh, mechanically, you know, they operate in very unique ways. And, I mean, every one of them is somebody's uh, idea of the perfection. Uh, you know, of, of ballistically throwing something, you know, and launching it out of a barrel uh, at, at ridiculous speeds in some cases, and you know, like to to have a lot of fun, you know, engaging in all these different activities. Uh, you know, why shouldn't there be a common place where everybody could kind of come together and, and you know get a little bit of everything? Uh, was what I wanted to do, and, and and I'd like to think I've accomplished it. Uh, I'd like to see more people coming from the uh, sporting clay community. They seem to be coming now. You know, love those guys. They, uh, they're cluing in. They're, they're, that Internet box thing actually serves a purpose. You know, there's something on there I want to watch. You know, maybe in a, in a day and age when uh, some of the older shooters can't find anything to watch on TV they like, you know, perhaps they'll come to the uh, Canadian Gun Vault and watch us on Instagram or Facebook or, you know, listen to us in the podcast. Um, but but to give everybody one place to come to was really kind of at the forefront of my mind when I created this thing and and I thought you know because because we've been so divisive in the past because so many times uh you know we've heard from certain communities that they don't really care about what happens to the other uh you know to have hunters perhaps and uh, you know people that engage in sporting clay and you know trap shooting have no interest in what goes on in the world of restricteds uh can can be a bit of an issue and you know because you know there will come a time when they'll come after certain groups, and I mean historically that's what they've always done. And we see some you know there, there's there's definitely some legislation coming, uh, some proposed stuff coming. Uh, whether or not they have the time to you know jam it on through, which is you know typically been the behavior of this government. Uh, if they can manage to, you know, jam something through, I, I imagine, uh, with several delays and with a number of, you know, mass shootings in the U.S. Uh, that really have nothing to do with us uh, and our laws uh, and or their successful application uh, to make changes that you know add to further restriction for the legal firearm community. I, I imagine that's what's going to happen, uh, whether it makes any sense or not. So, you know, having said that uh, when you have uh, certain segments of our community getting attacked uh, and, I'm, and I really do expect that's what's going to happen, we're going to uh, see. Uh, you know an attack on a specific kind of rifle or a series of rifles and we I think we're gonna see some movement uh, in Classifications uh, people keep asking me this question and I think it's important that we talk about it I, I mean, I like to keep the conversations light um, You know and I try my best to stay away from the tinfoil hat theories uh, although You know we have clear signs that there's all kinds of stuff uh, going on that might make uh, those guys right at some point uh, Regardless with legislation coming and with everybody kind of of, you know, uh, wondering what's uh, what's going to happen next. Uh, it's really more important now than ever uh, that you support the man next to you. And, and I saw this coming, I think, a couple of years ago, and, and realized that there was a need for uh, the channel and to educate the public and to bring new people in, and you know, to give them something to look at and, and say that we're not bad people. Um, you know, maybe just you know to educate them, to enlighten them uh, to the things that we love about this and, and why it's uh, important and significant. Uh, you know, and, and for, for freedom's sake as well, like, I mean, to, to have uh, laws put in place that could cost taxpayers you know, millions of dollars and, and not really have any, uh, you know, common sense driving it, uh, you know, I, I think it's something that we all should question, especially if it comes at the expense of, you know, people's uh, personal freedoms or property rights. And, you know, I think that we've got to be concerned about that. Uh, I people keep asking what do I think is coming you know uh, i 've heard rumblings uh, you know nothing that I can verify uh, you know publicly, but I could tell you right now that you know something 's coming and they 've uh, taken a couple of jabs at it and they 're they 're running into some resistance which makes total sense because uh, something tells me that they wanted to drop something big on us already and that it just might not fly uh, you know the idea that Uh, whatever that is that they decide to uh, do in terms of change that may have an impact on people that already own firearms in this country uh, anything that they you know prompt people to do uh, you know will be completely uh, dependent on compliance and and so you know if it it comes down to uh, you know uh, the administration's uh, structure being unable to to you know bear the burden of whatever change is coming. You know if it's so big that they just can't manage it, if they don't have the manpower, uh, and or if it's going to turn you know like a hundred thousand people into criminals overnight, I imagine it might be a problem. But I think at the same time though, we can expect some shifting of classes. I think that they're probably going to do what they did uh, twenty years ago, and they're going to ask us to. Um, I'm trying to find the wording in my mind again. You know, in celebration of you know the strong heritage connected to uh, firearm ownership in this country, we ask that for statistical uh, purposes and to assist police in investigations. Uh, that you uh, register certain rifles that were categorized as non-restricted items but are now, uh, you know, going to be in the restricted class. And they'll ask people to bring them forward and register them. And I remember standing in the lines at the police station and watching, you know, the people behind the desk, uh, you know, lose their marbles as it got, you know, eight or nine deep. And, you know, people are standing there with RPKs. <laughs> you know and things were different back then and you know you'd see this guy breaking you know an RPK out you know and uh, with a drum magazine in a box you know with other magazines like really great setups and you know you see, you see people coming in with like fouls and uh you know other great rifles you know AK47s uh, G3s you know or HK51s or 91s rather I should say uh, you know all you know the ones I saw were semi automatic anyway I remember you know as a young man a- in my early 20s I remember seeing all these people lined up and I mean you know like good people they're bringing their guns in saying okay well you know I could do this and and so but you knew that there was a segment of the population that had been screaming that something uh, something disaster, disastrous, had happened. You know, years earlier, and you know there were people. Uh, there were people who thought that there was no way that they were going to be able to uh, round up all the AKs and you know rifles like that. And, and and yet, you know, there was uh, you know a pretty large compliance rate. But at the same time, uh, there was a bit of a problem. There was also about a, you know thirty to fifty percent of the population out there said, "No way, I'm not doing it," and or you know forgot or you know never got word uh, you know received notification. So now they're you know they're out there these these guns that didn't get registered. And now they've, you know, taken that class, they've made it restricted, and then, you know, eventually, I think it was like 18 months later, they made them uh, prohibited, you know, to boot. So now you're in real, you're in real shit if you get caught with one of, one of these. Uh, you know, now it's a prohibited weapon, uh, you know, an unrestri- you know, unregistered one. And so these guns are floating around out there now. And, you know, some people just missed the deadline date or, you know, didn't get word, you know, whatever reason. You know, they come to learn that they're in possession of an item that could potentially have them tossed in jail for, you know, five or ten years. And you know, like this is this was like, you know, Joe Normal, you know, a guy who went out and bought himself, you know, you know, an HK rifle because, you know, maybe he. You know, maybe he was enamored with the design, or, or you know, he just you know really liked it. Uh, for whatever reason, he had this gun. He never registered it, so now it's out there and it's in circulation. I mean, it's 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 in his hands, but then you know he's probably going to get concerned at some point that you know he's going to get in trouble, or or he passes away and the kids don't know what to do with it, and so then that gun ends up circulating in this uh, you know sea. Uh, of uh, criminal activity, where where it's the only place these guns can be sold uh, to people without licenses, which presents a bit of a problem. Now, some of these guns uh, that that flow into this black market, um, I'm told, get recovered by some gun collectors. You know, at their own risk, I might add. You know, uh, you know, these things uh, they move around, and eventually they sometimes pop up uh, in uh, legitimate circles. And, that, and that's a reality, and, and it's uh, it certainly uh, would be one that would be very frightening for many legitimate gun owners. When these guns turn up, uh, you know now it's like, you know, it's a collection killer. It's a you know it's an awful thing to uh, to you know see something like a Thompson machine gun, you know, uh, circulating in criminal hands, and you have an opportunity to get it. And, and I would never recommend uh, to anyone out there that you take it. Uh, that's, you know, uh, A, I wouldn't endorse it because it's illegal and I wouldn't want to do that. Two, you know, as a former police officer, it, it you know, your best bet is to report it. Uh, you know, would be my, uh, my suggestion to you uh, officially. Uh, but definitely don't take it into your care. Uh, and the temptation would be great. I, I, you know, certainly, you know, to see Thompsons get melted down as a police officer over the years, you know, I had an affinity for them. If one came my way, I'd be tempted for about a half second. Uh, but I would know better. And it, but you know what? A lot of people might not. And there's definitely enough criminals out there that would want to get their hands on something like that. So we, we come back full circle to the idea that uh, there's always the possibility that some people don't want to give up their property. Uh, you know, And historically, the government has made things prohibited and then taken them, or what they do is they uh, wait for you to die and then they take them, uh, and they don't give them the same opportunity uh, that any other kind of property would have to be passed down. And, and they made some exceptions to uh, certain classes of guns uh, back in the 90s, but for the most part, though, uh, these items are collected when uh, their owners pass on and they're melted down and they're destroyed something i always found to be uh sickening uh as a historian as a gun lover uh, as somebody who appreciates you know uh, these things I-, I can tell you that uh you know seeing golf not golf carts uh, shopping carts filled with you know handguns you know like uh, piled high you know that are were once valuable collectors' uh, items uh to be scheduled for destruction was always uh, disheartening uh feeling for me anyway having having said that uh if there's anything in this new legislation regarding, you know, bans or registrations, something that might shake people's belief that they're going to uh, ever realize the value of these items or they're not going to be able to be passed down, there's always the possibility that some people will just refuse to do that. And, and, and when people do that, uh, what it does is it creates this much more potentially uh, dangerous situation. You get families that might decide to, you know, uh, act outside the confines of the law and, you know, make sure that things don't. Uh, end up in uh, you know in the melting pots, and you know again you know you've got uh, situations developing that result in guns that end up in illegal circulation as a result of the bans. It actually creates this black market. Uh, certainly, prohibition in the uh, in the twenties, um, you know, uh, it, it created. You know this uh, violent atmosphere, uh, very competitive underground atmosphere, uh, un- uncontrolled atmosphere, and you know it didn't work then. And eventually, you just you end up regulating things. You have to, uh, and, and I mean that's what we have now in Canada, and it's it's quite a highly regulated activity. Uh, gun ownership in this country is already you know uh, a difficult enough thing uh, to do. Uh, There's really not much more need for further restriction, and yet you know some somebody will want to fix what's not broke in parliament. And I imagine we're going to get some some gun laws that are going to require people to make this giant leap of faith that the government isn't going to try and take their property from them Uh, if they decide that they are going to ask us to register SKSs and the uh, you know M one A ones and you know guns like it. YOU KNOW, ANYTHING SEMI-AUTOMATIC, Reg- JUST REGISTER THEM, uh, YOU KNOW, AS RESTRICTED, <laughs> AND YOU KNOW, IF WE DON'T GET reelected, WE MIGHT NOT PUT THEM INTO THE PROHIBITED CLASS NEXT TIME AROUND. I MEAN, IT, it REALLY DOES REQUIRE YOU TO HAVE A LOT OF FAITH IN THE uh, GOOD NATURE OF YOUR GOVERNMENT. I'M NOT SURE THAT PEOPLE uh, HAVE THAT THIS TIME AROUND. Uh, that THAT AFFECTION OR TRUST SEEMS TO HAVE BEEN LOST ON THE TRUDEAU GOVERNMENT. Uh, but but whatever the case may be, if you've got people that are uh, out there that may not be willing to comply, uh, you could create a, a very dangerous situation uh, for Canadians. So that's uh, that's going to be my <laughs> very short, dark uh, by comparison spiel on the uh, the future gun laws that are uh, soon to be revealed to the Canadian firearm community, but uh, as we head back towards the uh, Galt Sportsman's Club and talking about divisive nature, I'm very saddened uh, when I hear that I want to use um, a certain type of semi-automatic shotgun, something that would be uh, classified, or categorized, or characterized as a tactical shotgun at the Galt Sportsman's Club. And, and you know, of course, I asked this question a long time ago, and, and uh, I wanted to shoot um you know a, a magazine fed uh, semi automatic shotgun at the trap range at Galt and and ordinarily I shoot shotguns that are never any younger than you know 20 or 30 years old uh, you know most of the shotguns that I, I shoot my you know in my off time are you know 60 70 uh, sometimes a hundred years old uh, you know they're, they're archaic by today's standards but I, I have wanted to try this one uh, really cool semi-automatic uh, 12-gauge shotgun there and was always kind of, you know, uh, looked at and said, nope, no tactical shotguns on the range. So I finally asked the question, <laughs> you know, uh, like really kind of pushed the subject. I said, well, why? And, you know, the answer I received was an interesting one. And not to embarrass anybody, and, and certainly, um, you know, the rules are the rules. I'm not questioning that. I, I can tell you that when I was told that maybe uh, that people don't like the look of them, I was I was really kind of surprised by that and I and I kind of looked over and I said well, you know That kind of sounds like anti-gun talk and the room kind of fell silent So there I am, you know where my Canadian gun vault hat. Uh, you know I'm a known gun lover and I've you know just looked over at somebody and said well that sounds like anti-gun talk and To to have everybody kind of stop in the room for a second and look at me. Uh, it does it does um, You know, I, I, I you know question a little more. Well, th- is it just the look? You know, is there something else, you know? And um, there are tactical shotguns that have very short barrels. Uh, they do make more noise. I get that. Uh, if you put uh, trap loads, which ordinarily don't make much noise at all, into a very short-barreled shotgun, they, they tend to make a lot more noise. A- and the range of a short barrel really is kind of limited. you got to be fast uh, if you want to shoot trap with anything with a barrel length, you know, uh, less than 18 inches. If you're into your, you know, uh, police 870s and stuff like that uh you know the shorter barrels definitely place you at a decisive uh disadvantage on the trap range where you know having a tighter pattern can uh, really be of uh, great advantage and so uh, you know to to shoot something that is going to make a lot more noise i, I questioned that i said like is it that and i said like you know uh, this this gun i want to use it's you know it's magazine fed it's semi-automatic but i'm only going to load one round at a time uh, i won't even put the magazine in it and I was told flat out, no, uh, you know, no tactical shotguns. And I thought, well, okay, is there is there another reason then perhaps? Like, I mean, if it's not the noise, and if it's not, you know, uh, there's really no difference, you know, between a, a semi-automatic, you know, Remington 1100 and this shotgun. I mean, I'm loading one shell at a time, and the barrel length's about, you know, 20 inches. Um, there really isn't a good reason for it. And, you know, there, there seemed to be this, um, perplexed look uh, on uh, the young lady's face and she said well it tears up the uh, the trees <laughs> and that didn't make any sense to me either and I kind of scratched my head and I mean there was a gentleman standing to my immediate left who piped up right away and said well no it's the same shell it's it's a two and three quarter inch uh, one and uh, one eighth dram, uh, you know Trap target loading shell that is the standard out there on the uh, the trap and sporting clay lines. And, you know, it's shooting the same shell, he says. And I thought, well, that, okay, yeah. Like, I mean, if it's the same shell, it's not really doing anything more than the other shotguns are doing. If anything, they go further uh, out there, and uh, that might be a problem. But, uh, you know, she she kind of was puzzled and, and said, well, huh. And I went, well, yeah, see, like, I mean, like, I really would like to shoot this shotgun. On this trap range, but I know you have this no tactical shotgun rule. But you know there really isn't any good reason for it. And I and I kind of committed myself to the idea that I want to talk to somebody about this. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me that we should have um, you know some shotguns uh, you know allowed and others not. And so not that I want to muscle in or, you know, strong arm anybody, but I I mean, if I want to shoot that type of shotgun and it has the same barrel length, I could understand if you made like a a barrel length uh, minimum requirement uh, for noise purposes. I get that. I get the uh, safety angle. Uh, You know, if something's way too short, you know, it swings too easy, somebody might get hurt, Uh, you know, it becomes, muzzle integrity becomes uh, much more difficult to maintain with a a much shorter shotgun. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe a minimum barrel length. Uh, would, be, uh, would be ideal. But th- there's got to be some kind of compromise in there, and I'm hoping that we can uh, achieve it because I really want to uh, shoot this shotgun uh, out on that trap range. It's a beautiful range, beautiful club. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, at some point uh, to gather with some people and uh, bring them out there and uh, show them what uh, the Golf Sportsman Club out in Cambridge is all about. It's a uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful range and uh, wonderful uh, scenery there, and they certainly have a uh, diverse community. Uh, on you know on those grounds and uh, the handgun range is second to none uh, if you love steel i mean you got 25 50 75 100 like it goes all the way out to to um, 200 yards, and you can hang gongs and shoot at them with handguns, uh, which is really a lot of fun. And, you know, and or rifles if it's uh, in the correct zone. Uh, they have areas that are designated for rifle use and uh, pistol use, but they, they go from 25 all the way up to 200. And and you guys have seen them in the videos. A lot of people have asked me about this club. Uh, i got to tell you, what a, what a fantastic place. Shooters have it. I really wish, uh, you know, they would take on some more members, but uh, I, th- I believe they're full right now. But, uh, you know, if you can get yourself onto a waiting list, if you want to get to a good club, uh, the Golf Sportsman Club is definitely a fantastic place. Uh, great people, uh, you know, certainly an interesting and diverse group uh, that frequent that club. Uh, if you spend any amount of time over at the handgun range, you know, you're going to run into guys, uh, you know, fantastic people. I won't name names, uh, except maybe for Mikey, because if you you just look for the wild man uh, that's shooting some kind of, uh, you know, gigantic hand cannon, uh, you know, at ridiculous ranges and hurling projectiles at unbelievable speeds, uh, you know, you just encountered the mad scientist, uh, Mikey. Uh, who's, who's contacted me recently, and actually this, uh, this came up too, and uh, just to bust off into this one for a second, I'm, like, I'm a huge fan of the 1911 design. And for our listeners out there that have never seen a 1911 before, really cool-looking gun. It's one of those, uh, it's one of those really uh, iconic uh, semi-automatic designs. You know, the Colt 45 is a 1911. And so, you know, to get contacted by my buddy Mikey and to tell me that, you know, he's eyeballing, uh, you know, this certain make and model. I uh, I really uh, you know, was floored uh, when I first met this guy. Great, great guy, uh, <laughs> wild man behind the uh, the reloading uh, setup. Uh, he definitely produces some of the craziest ammo I've ever seen, and uh, love working with him. Haven't seen enough of him lately. Uh, but he, he always had this penchant for uh, driving, you know, magnum bullets to uh, phenomenal velocities, and and he started to realize that you could do these sort of things with uh, semi-automatic handguns as well. And I and I watched him build, uh, you know, some of the most incredibly powerful guns, uh, and he's done it again. Uh, like you know, the mad scientist is on a tear. Uh, He's built uh, another, you know, flamethrowing monster. Can't wait to drop this one on you guys. Uh, I'm definitely going to get myself to the range and spend a little time with Mikey and uh, some of his insanely, insanely uh, powerful semi-automatic creations. And and that's what they are. Uh, They're definitely works of art. Uh, He definitely uh, spends a lot of care and attention uh, to detail when he reloads for these types of things. Uh, And I I can't wait to see uh, his, his latest uh monstrosity this thing's gonna be a lot of fun um you know I, I'm looking forward to dropping it on you guys I don't want to tell you what it is just yet be looking uh, for, for a video up in the future we're probably gonna get a film sometime next month uh, so it'll probably be about a, a month and a bit before you'll see it but uh, we've uh, we've got some of that stuff coming uh, it's been a while since we've been on the lines really sorry uh the shot show took the steam right out of my engine uh if, if there was ever a uh, An event that i would love participating in that would take the wind out of my sails it was shot show 2018. Uh, dave's been working really hard uh, on the videos and he's been putting them out to you guys Uh, we are definitely going to get out onto the uh, firing lines again soon it's been a while Uh, definitely some people i want to get out there and uh, shoot with Uh, sorry i had to take a little break there for a bit folks Uh, you know between uh, between Running around and getting the merchandise out to everybody that's ordering it. Thank, thank you so much to everyone that's supported us. Um, you know, uh, you guys, you buy the merchandise. It really makes a big difference. Uh, it's 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 a lot of work doing it, but I love doing it. And I love seeing the gear out there. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing a lot on the uh, spring lineup and the different clubs I go to. Uh, if you haven't gotten yours yet, please visit our online store, uh, you know, and, uh, and support us that way. Uh, it's a big help. And uh, so to, uh, to further uh, comment uh, on Mikey. Mikey gets in touch with me and he asked me about this one gun, and I knew it was coming. I was really, really excited way back when to uh, show Mike uh, this one model uh, that came through my hands at one point. Uh, you know, a collector had offered up to uh, allow uh, me to shoot uh, a Lar Grizzly which is a 1911 design, but it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's much, much bigger. Uh, you know, It's bigger than the Kunin. Uh, the Kunin's a bit of a handful. It's just a bit bigger than your uh, standard 1911. Uh, the Lar Grizzly is definitely a much larger gun. It's not like Desert Eagle large, like girth-wise, but it's still got that sort of slim uh, by comparison. Uh, sort of uh, feel to it Uh, right right down to the grips which you know are not unlike holding our you know an oblong uh, two by four sort of shape in your hand it's definitely a handful but it hurls um, it was made to hurl this you know 45 caliber projectile Uh, think think like 45 acp doing like Fourteen hundred feet per second. You know, like it's it's definitely a hot round coming out of this big gun. Anyway, Mikey contacts me, and he says, you know, he's he's got his eye on one, which I always knew was going to happen. Uh, You know, he's just too big a fan of magnum caliber semi-automatic, especially, uh, you know, he wanted to get into vintage stuff. I I told him a long time ago he was (laughs) probably going to be wise to uh, examine the uh, Lar Grizzly family of firearms. And sure enough, uh, you know, he's contacted me just recently making uh, inquiries about uh, the values on the guns and that he's found one. And I'm very excited. I don't know uh, what Mikey's going to do with this thing. I do know that uh, you know they were made with barrel conversion kits. Uh, that 45 Win Mag cartridge uh, is is you know about the same uh, power level as say a 44 Magnum. It's a little more actually. But the guns also came with these uh, well made, uh, very well made uh, conversion kits for calibers ranging from 10 millimeter to 45 ACP to 357. Um, there's a couple of wildcat cartridges. I think like something like 375 uh, Wild E Magnum. Uh, I know Mike's a big fan. He's, he's always loving you know 357. Uh, and and the idea of a, a mid-sized caliber coming out of uh, you know a handgun sized platform, uh, you know at, at rifle like speeds is, is certainly uh, an idea that I'm sure would fascinate Mike. I'm really interested to see what uh, he comes up with uh, on this one. But uh, to uh, to return back. Again, to uh, you know, some of the things that have been going on lately, I, I find myself looking more and more at uh, you know the uh, ridiculous ballet of politics. Uh, I talk about this stuff uh, <laughs> with a very heavy heart. Uh, definitely, we've got uh, Justin Trudeau doing some things that are inexplicably, inexplicably. Uh, Seemingly poorly thought out uh, decisions are happening all over the place up in Parliament and we're expected uh, to believe that they're going to uh, drop You know some good legislation on us. I I definitely am uh, spending a little bit more time on the feeds You know watching carefully what's going on up in there. Uh, I don't expect we're gonna get much of a sympathetic ear this time around It's becoming painfully obvious that we're gonna have to deal with uh, you know a, a bump in the road and while I did want to make this entire podcast about uh, things like future legislation and uh, bummer items like that, we got a few uh, other you know good things coming up in the uh, firearm community. Uh, March twenty fourth, there's going to be a TACON TACOM Expo uh, put on at Firearms Outlet Canada. I'm looking forward to dropping by there uh, and doing that with the crew. Might get a few of the uh, Canadian Gun Vault members out there on that uh, same day. Should be uh, should be a good time. I'm thinking that we're uh, Probably going to be there for uh, at least the better part of the day. And, uh, you know, not working it, we're just going to uh, be floating around and looking forward to meeting some of the great personalities in the industry and, uh, you know, introducing ourselves. There's uh, there's quite a few people out there that I've been dying to meet. Uh, Rod Giltaka, I think, is going to be there. And uh, if he's around, I'm looking forward to shaking that man's hand. I mean, he, in large part, is uh, a good reason why I started this. Uh, he seemed to be the voice of reason. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but I understand he had a little TV spot uh, just recently. I'm really looking forward to watching that, actually. I'm going to probably do that the minute I put this podcast microphone down, uh, but looking forward to meeting Broad Giltaka. I mean, uh, as far as I'm concerned, he's the godfather of the uh, firearms rights movement here in Canada and uh you know to spend a little bit of time talking to him i know he's going to be very busy uh if you could set aside uh, maybe five minutes for me uh you know i definitely would like to uh, shake his hand congratulate him on a job well done and uh look forward right, to uh, speaking with him uh you know at, at length down the road uh about the future of firearm ownership in this country anyway that's about all the time i have for uh, tonight's episode of uh, the canadian gun vaults behind the vault door my name is mark morelli and uh As always, Canada, shoot straight, stay safe.